Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we're talking about a really fun one today, which I'm going to be learning along with all of you, because I don't really know a lot about this. And Jane, of course, being the love doctor, is going to tell us about the four stages of a relationship. Firstly, Jane, why do we need to know what the four stages of a relationship are? How does it benefit? Okay, if we go into a relationship wanting to get to the end, fourth stage, too soon, we're setting our relationship up for failure. Okay, there's a lot of self-sabotaging that happens and the chances are that the relationship won't actually get to the fifth stage, which would be happily ever after. So if you don't go through these four stages and give yourself time to proceed through these gently and learning and growing, you're not setting good foundations for a healthy, long-term loving relationship. Do you have like a rough timeline as to how long each of these stages should because I do. Of course I do. Of course she does. <laughs> it's Jane. All right, go. Okay, so roughly speaking, and there will always be numerous exceptions to this, but in general, each stage takes around three months. So the first stage is your honeymoon period. Okay, so this is where everything's fun and it's exciting. It's flirty. It's boy meets girl, girl meets boy, and it all feels good. And it's when the biggest um, chemical processes are firing on all, on all cylinders, right? Absolutely. You don't see anything negative. You just see all positive. Mm. This person is amazing. This is where we get all of those terms and the Shakespearean stuff about love struck, love blind, um, and, yeah, all of that stuff where you put them on a pedestal and, yeah, they make you feel amazing every time you're around them. So yes. you get addicted to them like a drug. Yes. And it's why I get most scared if people suddenly meet and decide to get married within that three months period. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because they haven't done any of the real life stuff. You know, it's almost like the holiday romance. Yes. It's not real. It's just fun. And I think we should clarify with the honeymoon period. I'm sounding like an expert now, like I know all about the four stages of the relationship. <laughs> actually Jane's thing but I know about honeymoon periods because actually in the author work I've done I've, I've written a lot about those early feelings particularly with teenagers but the fact is of course you can have them at any time in your life right but you can have them with people that you don't necessarily end up married to of course like so you can have them with any kind of person you can have it with the worst ever bad boy that you never really want to connect with really well, some people are addicted to <laughs> yes. this stage of a relationship and so hence that's why they are not normally into commitment yes. because they're just not interested in the other stages and I've got to say to some extent I can kind of understand that because we are a society that's addicted to fast thrills you know we change channels quickly we do everything you know, we, we rush through life and we want those thrills and those highs and those hits don't we and it feels so fun there's so much adrenaline there's ecstasy there's bliss that comes with those feelings and they are very addictive like you know how they've proven that like chocolate and heroin release the same stuff in the brain yes and, you know when you've talked about the, the science behind this jane where people actually how do you oh, when they release oxytocin the bonding when, yeah yes. and they bond yes so they actually start to mate almost as a result of what their bodies are being flooded with they're, yes. they're thinking this could be somebody for me to pair up with in a cave and feed woolly mammoth meat too like that's absolutely right look <laughs> yeah. oxytocin is responsible for healthy genetic connection yes so that goes back to the love blind stuff because you can be so blinded by the rush of the the, the pumping of the blood and the hammering of the heart and the, the growing groin area and all of those things that you are you are very very um, under an illusion as to what you're actually dealing with, which was somebody who burps and farts and goes to the toilet. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Actually, I need to just go back. Oxytocin is actually the bonding hormone. You can actually bond with anybody, not just genetically healthy, but that's more chemistry. Chemistry is what's going to produce uh, two 
in general, two people coming together that are going to produce healthy babies. Now, oh, man, I could stay stuck on this one I know, for half I hour. know. Because I want to put something to you. I have a girlfriend, happily married, well over a decade now. She claims she never really felt the butterflies with her husband. She never really had a honeymoon period. So, but and yet they're perfect marriage material because they're harmonious. They plot along. They're on parallels with all their belief systems. Blah 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 blah. So, how important is it? Do you have to have it? No, you don't have to have it. So they've actually probably just stepped in into stage two or stage three. So stage two is where the cracks start to appear. Okay, so this is where there are a lot of people that will say, I can't get past the three-month old, and it could be eight weeks, ten-week mark of a relationship. And it's because once the cracks start to appear, they see that as a sign of incompatibility instead of being real life that this is what real life is about now. And now we're looking at what are the things that are real in the other person and what are the things that are real about me that my my potential partner is now seeing in me. And so as you start to, so that also goes to three months. That goes from four months to six months. And so during that period, you know, out come all the warts. As you said, he farts, the wet towels are left everywhere. Um, you might have bad breath in the morning or she's OCD, yeah. you know. It's, yeah. it's, <laughs> or, you know, they might say something which is quickly flattens you a bit like a balloon, like, oh, I didn't know he felt that way about yeah. insert, I don't know, whatever here. Yeah. Um, but part of it is that you're seeing with clearer, clearer eyes. Yeah. So it was always there. The OCD was always there. The farting was always there, although it might have been held on for a while. <laughs> but usually that's actually, see, so there is another within that first honeymoon stage it's usually five to six weeks some people can't sustain much more than four weeks some can't sustain much more than eight weeks but around that period that's where people's start to become a little bit more true you know you, you can be the people pleasing you can be i want this person to like me and yes. you can be quite fluid and, and molded Good. to the other person because you can't hold up an act that's very right long. it's not if that's you are right. if that's what you have been doing yes. and some people do yes. it's not sustainable yes no that's right so that that can happen in that first period for some people for, for those that are being authentic and genuine and trying to present it as authentically as possible, it's that 12, uh, that 12 week, that first three month period of, of where you're just not seeing, you're not seeing the bad stuff because you're so excited by the good stuff. This is you know why Romeo and Juliet died bit for each other because they were in the first stage of the bloody relationship. <laughs> if they were in the fourth stage, they'd be like, oh, let's sit down and talk about it. I'm sure we can figure it <laughs> out. You know, it doesn't make for as good a story, does it? <laughs> okay, so second stage we start to see all the things that we're not quite so happy with. It's just a bit more real life. And the gloss kind of comes off of the, the shiny ball. And then the third stage is from six months to nine months. Now, this is the negotiating period. So by this point, you've either still with them and dating them or you have run for the hills. So if you're still with them, you're seeing enough. Your scales are balanced where the good is far outweighing the bad. So you've got your positives list, you've got your negatives list, and the positives is raging ahead. So now it's time to go, well, okay, let's look at this negatives and let's see how we can negotiate. How can a slob live with an OCD? How can we meet in the middle? So you negotiate it. You know, look, I get that, you know, you come home from work and you're exhausted and you just want to drop everything everywhere. Do you think if I put a hamper in, a laundry hamper in the bathroom, you at least could you put everything in there? And so the OCD person is, is having their needs met as well. So it's just about negotiating whatever it is. You know, somebody likes to um, stay up really late. The other is actually an early morning person. Can you meet somewhere in the middle? Can you negotiate that on a weekend one will do one, one will do the other? Um, whatever it is, the differences that you've got. 
And then the fourth stage of the relationship is from nine months to 12 months, which is the living of the negotiation. So that is where you actually see, is this going to work? So the nine to 12 months is very, very important. And if you get through that and you like it, you better put a ring on it. So what I'm wondering is, you've given quite a short time frame for that, really. Okay, there can be people that can do it a lot longer. Yeah. There are people that can do it a lot shorter. Because I'm t- like really thinking, and I've only got 10 or something years under my belt of monogamy, right? So, and in that time, anyone who's been in a long-term relationship will tell you, and I've, I've fascinatedly grabbed older ladies and pinned them down and said, would you just talk me through the arcs of three or four or five decades of marriage? Because, Fantastic. you know, I think that marriages or long-term relationships, shall we say, go through so many phases. Mm-hmm. So you've just crystallised four, which could happen in the first year. But I'm wondering if then a greater playing out of those four happened maybe over 40 years or half a century, if that is a life partner, or 20 years. Yeah, I think you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. You know, there is the seven-year itch. There it exists. And it let's talk about exists. that, James. You know, there's another stage. And so what I think is the most important thing for people to understand is it is normal. So if you start to feel a bit bored in your relationship, if the excitement's not there, if you're starting to find yourself going out and flirting a bit with the opposite gender to get a bit of sexy validation of, you know, you're feeling pretty, you're feeling sexy, you're feeling hot, whatever it is, that is normal. It's not a sign that your marriage is in trouble. Is it always at the seven-year mark or is that just like that? Is it no, actually, it seems to be. It's a known phenomenon. It does seem to be. Do we know why? I don't know, I have an amateur theory, you know, I love my theories, my unproven, my Jane Donovan theories. Well, we need to hear it because okay. we need to I know. I have a theory that our life goes in seven-year cycles. Right. And so I can look back on, on my years of 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, 42, I'm now 49. Major things have occurred at that point that have shifted me to be somebody different. And so I think that it is in the same would probably occur in a relationship. Mm. And so, and maybe I need to look back. I've only had, how long have I been together? About 19 years. So I've had two seven year cycles. And actually, I'd say that's pretty fair. Um, the first, absolutely that happens. And often for many people, that's around the time that you've also got young children and, you know, it can be financial stresses of wanting to provide for a, a family now instead of just as an individual or as a couple. There's a lot going on. But if you know that it's normal and that these cycles are there to help us to grow and become richer in our, our lives, mm. it's okay. So what do you do if you feel you're coming up to seven years or if you've, and I don't think it's like here, it's our anniversary right now, we're in trouble. Look, it could be five years, it could be eight. But in, around that mark, if you're aware of it, start to spice it up. Start to do some simple, different things. Book that holiday that you've always talked about going. Now's the time to do it. You know, you always wanted to go and learn Vietnamese cooking together because it's something you think you would enjoy doing. Go and do that course. Get back to doing a checklist of your relationship to get back on track. Set your date nights. I'm a big fan of of people that are very time poor. One of the things everybody can afford is 15 minutes when you first reconnect at the end of the day. So you come home and, yes, you could be tempted that, you know, there's children's sport, there's dinner to get on, there's washing, there's homework to supervise, there's whatever going on. Just pause for 15 minutes and you train. If you have children, you train them to know this is mum and dad's time. The phones are taken off the hook. They're put on silent. The TV is not on. The children can be preoccupied, get them set up for 15 minutes. And if you're into... You know, prepare some nice food that you want to share. Have a drink together that you want to share. Whatever is making you feel comfortable and connected. And then just talk about your day. 
That's it. That my, talk about your day. I love it, Jane. I love this. And something that my husband and I had to do recently because, again, we've been together for 12, we, let's put it this way, we met the Olympics 2000, do the maths, well, 12, 13 years <laughs> yeah, heading to 13. Yeah, right. So, you know, it is, you do, look, talk about stage one, how long ago was that? Like, you know, if you want to get a thrill from your partner that you've seen fart and pay the taxes for uh, over a decade, like, you, you, and you know, it's the whole, you, it's like a garden, you've got to keep nurturing it and growing it and to get it blossoming and, and to make to keep it working, right? It, you have to put work into these things. So, we, when we were getting a bit flat last year, we actually had the great idea of sitting down one night and we each got a pick, you know, piece of paper and a pen. And I told him all the things I love that he does for me. So the things that earn brownie points, right? And then he said all the things he loves. So my list was things like foot massages. I love it when you buy me dinner. I love it when you ask me about my day. Um, but I can't Beautiful. remember them all. You know, here's the things like when you bring me a cup of tea, um, when you support my events through work, when you, um, you know, give me a bit of a playful ass grab or whatever it was, like playful touches, loving kisses, intention, you know, all those kind of things. So we had quite long lists. And then what we've committed to do ever since then is you keep a little book in your bedside table and every night before we go to sleep, I write down three things I did for him off his list that day and, and then I have to write then I write down three things that I love or am grateful for about my husband, okay? Beautiful. And, and we both do that, you see. So the books keep us held accountable, and the fact that we have to do it side by side before we get into bed at night holds us accountable. And it has changed. It just changes so much, Jane, because you go, go to your life on autopilot, and sometimes it's a terrible thing to say, but you take your lover for granted, and you forget to actually think about them a whole lot when you're working on your career or you've got young kids or you're racing around in the day in the car, I'm not thinking what can I do when I get home tonight to just keep the connection alive. That's right. That is so powerful. I'm impressed. Well, thanks, Jane. I'm going to steal that. And we have a date night we, because we, our lives are so busy and we've got little kids two under four that we have roped the grandparents in and we're lucky to be able to do that, to have one night a week that we go and have dinner and that's called our date night. And if he takes that blackberry out while we are at the table... <laughs> Well, you know, you lead me straight to. I was doing this topic on radio recently about um, uh, there was a, a couple that had incompatibility in their sex drives, and a very quick little short answer was, you know, everything that happens outside the bedroom is foreplay. Everything it is everything. So that is a number one tip for yes. guys if you want more sex. Recognize that Wash the dishes is foreplay. You know, it <laughs> yeah, absolutely is. It is. It, yeah. And while it's different for men and women, of course. So, if, if you know, foreplay. We're generalizing yeah, as always. We're generalizing. So, for me, foreplay is if he does the dishes or yes. gives me a foot rub or asks me about my day. I'm getting warmed up already. <laughs> He's thinking about me. For him, he wants me to, you know, flash him something or like, you know, wink yeah. him or yeah. do something a bit cheeky because men are visual creatures, let's yes. generalise. Yes. Um, so, you know, so the cues, the prompts, the flirting might, might take different forms, but that's why it's so important you do each other's lists. It is. And just on the date night as well, you know, there are so many people that don't have the support. You're very lucky to have supportive yeah. grandparents that can do that. But it, it doesn't have to be about spending money either. No. You know, you have a food budget. You're going to be eating an evening meal. Pack it into a picnic box. And the kids are in bed asleep. Take the baby monitor outside the house, sit mm. in your backyard mm. under the stars and have your dinner. Yes, that's right. You know, it's that simple. Do you know, and when we were younger and we were in our 20s and, and he was studying and he was doing like 36 contact hours at uni a week. He wow. was so, he was doing like 17 exams in a row. It was so full on. We had no money, depressed living in a shitty house, right? We've all been there in our 20s. Yeah. And 
I remember one night, you know, what we did was all we were having tacos for dinner and which is a bit non-wellness now, but, you know, we were younger then we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know about carbohydrates back then. Anyway, and all we did was tacos by candlelight and just such a small thing. You can actually make things like that fun or, yeah, like have a floor picnic or just light candles in the apartment, turn all the lights off. And what about let's just do the number one thing, turn the TV off. Mm. Hello, it's called talking. We That's, it. <laughs> That's it. Or if you can't talk to each other, sit down and play this podcast for them. <laughs> You'd sit there and give ideas to each other. Forced listenership. Yeah. But it is really easy to reconnect. And what's so beautiful is that when you've been with somebody for a long period of time, you've actually got loads of oxytocin. The bonding's so happening. But there's, there's history and there's so many rich, beautiful qualities that connect us to each other that are way beyond the physical. Oh. And so it takes such a little amount of time to suddenly go wow to reignite I know that. I love you but I actually like you again you know yeah. I, I'd forgotten you're a really good guy I've forgotten that we are best friends yeah. and so once you've done this once it might sound so simplistic your relationship might be in quite a you know shambles trust us please just one little act that you do you are going to get blown away by the results mm. so try it even if you're skeptical just try it you know, the other things that we do see in relationships is I'm going to touch on spiritual people. Now, I've had a lot of really rich, beautiful, evolved spiritual people that have come to me at Socialate that are wanting, you know, to join our membership and meet other people with the desire of hoping to have a relationship. There are so many of them, they tick massive amounts of boxes. They present beautifully in so many different ways. Why is it that these people are single? And one of the things I've come to recognize, and again, ding, ding, another unproven theory, another Jane Donovan theory, is that a lot of spiritual people are so highly evolved and constantly evolving and changing that they're never standing still long enough as one person that vibrationally they are never a match for anybody long enough to get past the first three-month stage. The other thing is that there's an intensity about a lot of uh, of people that you know, that are spiritual. And when I say spiritual, I mean people that believe in something that's greater than themselves, that have a connection to something that lead, helps them to lead their lives richer and fuller, and it is something that is very, very important to them. They are normally got quite rich minds. They've got rich emotional uh, intelligence, and they've got rich spiritual intelligence. And as a result, when they start dating, they want to go from stage one to stage four, skipping stage two and three because they go, oh, no, I can see what's wrong with you. I know how to negotiate that. Now, let's just get to the – let's just do it. This is what we're doing. And they want to do that within four weeks. Mm. And it's too much too soon. It's intense and it can put the other person off. And we've got to remember that your ideal partner isn't always somebody that is going at the same pace as you. You know, there are times that I'll go on great great growth spurts, I call them, and are they growth of my physical intelligence, my emotional intelligence, my intellectual intelligence, or my spiritual intelligence? Or, ding, ding, another theory, fifth body, social intelligence. Yeah. So which one I'm growing on and, and, and having a growth spurt in, my husband may not be, but that doesn't mean we're not compatible. We're still individuals. And so a lot of self-sabotaging comes about when people think they're not growing together. Oh, my God, because I just had a client yesterday who the whole reason that she, she came to me was to talk about the fact that she's pretty sure she's with the guy she's supposed to be with for the rest of her life. She's like 27 or something. Yeah. Um, but what's happened is they've stumbled into a patch just like what you just described. 
So they are currently, she's growing in a, at a different rate. She's currently opening up to her spirituality. Okay. And he's still a That's bit of a bloke. Scary. It is. That's scary. I went through that in my marriage. Now, I've seen women lead their, their wives through this, okay? I mean, I run a women's group and half of them are actually getting divorced at the moment because they're opening up to such a different, in such a different way of, you know, perceiving the world and living their realities and wanting to change who they are and doing self-work. And a lot of the time when that happens with spiritual people, a lot of sacrifice occurs. They have to leave behind old friends, high school friends who no longer fit their mould, um, you know, family members who don't get them anymore and oftentimes your actual partner will drop away. Um, oftentimes they won't. They'll come along for the ride. They may never be as full-blown open spiritual as you are. Uh, they may open up a little bit, okay? But, um, yeah, so... People who go through different growth, growth spurts in relationships, uh, if, like for this girl yesterday, it was definitely the message was hang in there because you flow and ebb like all energies. It's not to say you're still not running side by side on parallels in, in a deeper sense for this lifetime. He's the right soul partner for you to learn your lessons with side by side, work through your karma, have your gifts exchanged, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think Hollywood has conditioned us to think that the first sign of disparity, you've got to run. Possibly. Yes, yes, that's right. And so what happens in this second stage of the relationship we we're talking about in the dating side is that those people see these cracks and they run. Mm-hmm. Or you're in a marriage and you see these cracks and you run instead of actually looking at working through them yeah. because it's just stuff. And in the old days when divorce wasn't an option, yes, we know there were lots of plenty of unhappy marriages, but there were also marriages that were kind of amazing because when you can't run and that's not an option, you find ways to make it work. And Couples go through, back to that thing I was talking about before about the arcs, like on the graph chart, there's times in your marriage when you want to kill them. There's times when, you know, they've watched you birth their babies and that's another bond that you can never take away from the history of a couple. You know, there's times when you've held each other and cried. You've been through great challenges, bankruptcy or whatever together. There's times when you may have wandered and come back, you know, philandered, you know, and and all of that can happen under the umbrella of the length of a full long-term relationship. And it's layers of the onion. There's so many layers of complexities to who we are to each other and these deeper commitments and my mother used to always have an expression never presume um you know with a couple never think you you know it's almost like label or judge or box another couple because you never know what goes on behind the doors you absolutely you just don't know the truth or the mystery behind their true connection because you don't really know you haven't lived it with them that's absolutely right you can't i think that's not just with couples i think that's with people full stop absolutely full stop i think also though with this lovely lady too though that there is this there's got to be an understanding that particularly with spirituality is that people will grow at different rates and in different ways. So my own personal example was that as I was really connecting with something richer and bigger than myself, I started to want to raise my children this way. I had two very young children and um, I was concerned that Simon and I really needed to be on the same page. And I didn't think he was going to get there. Next thing I know, a lovely, he's very blessed that he works in, in viticulture and a lady that he is involved with through the pharmacist with funny round wave story, who is an energetic worker, came out and said to him, Simon, could you put this crystal on the tractor? I think you're having trouble with it. And off he trots and he puts this crystal on the tractor amongst all these blokey blokes that are looking at him like, are you for real? And that was the start of his journey. And he's gone through, he's really fascinated by biodynamics, by sustainability in farming and, and organic farming. And that is his spirituality. Yeah. And so we need to look at different compatibilities. You know, we don't have to, you know, 
come right back to simple. Uh, people believe that compatibility is I like riding push bikes. I need my partner to ride push bikes too. Correct. No, you don't. You don't. How do you feel about each other? How, I mean, yes, you want to spend time together, but you don't want to spend 24-7. So that might be something that becomes in stage two where you start to think, oh, they love riding bikes. I hate riding bikes. Well, how can you negotiate that? Well, what is it you like doing? Well, I really love going to watch chick flicks and he hates chick flicks. Great. So he's going out for a two-hour bike ride. You grab a girlfriend and go and watch a chick flick. Then you come back together, both really happy that you've connected with what brings you joy. This is a very important thing about relationships, which is the ability or inability of Westerners to have alone time. A lot of us always need to be with people. And when it comes to your nearest and dearest, your lover or your most intimate, it's that whole, I have to phone him 25 times a day. He has to come everywhere with me. If I'm in the car, he has to be in the car too. No. And there's a beautiful Khalil Gabriel, Cabran, you know that guy that everyone always quotes him in weddings. <laughs> He's like this gorgeous poet. And he wrote this piece a long time ago, which says something about, um, you know, with, with your lover, learning to honor the spaces between you, like being together, but also learning to be together but separate, if you know what I'm saying. And actually, I have to say my parents were very good role models of this because they always modelled to me a really healthy dose of they both had their own hobbies and they'd go and do them and have their alone times and then they'd come back together and do the family stuff. And you don't always see that in... No, I mean, well, I, I had taken it for granted that I have that with my relationship and my parents had that. So I actually had assumed that that's what everybody did. Right. And it wasn't until I started doing this work that I thought, whoa, there's some interesting thinking going on I here mean, that we need, here's my checklist and I need them to be interested in everything I'm interested in. No. I know no. a couple. Who, and what about the excitement of you've got something new that you can actually bring to the yes. other person? Yeah. You know? I mean, I know a couple who met when they were 16 or even younger and they, they're in their 60s now and they're the kind of couple, it's almost become so unhealthy the the dependence that they Co-dependency. have totally. They, yeah. I mean, she's never she would never think of driving anywhere without him in the car with her. I don't even know why. I mean, it's not it's not like she needs to be protected. It's it, it's just almost like she doesn't know how to. I guess know how to be alone by herself. Mm. You know. Um. And yeah, they would never ever think of. In, in but is it working for them? You know, if it's working for them, if it's not broken. Oh, Jane. What? No. See, look at you go. I know because look, <laughs> they have a long lasting marriage. Yeah. I guess this is where we go on a scale of gradients as to what real happiness is in a marriage because a lot of people will stay married forever and hate each other. You know, okay, okay, I get it. Uh, I get it. And some people stay married forever and have bliss, um, and everyone else is somewhere in between, right? <laughs> yeah, but there can be contentment. I think contentment in our Western world is one of the most underrated things. Yeah, peaceful contentment. It's so divine. It's, it's not so sexy. beautiful. Yeah, it's so cool though. It's, yeah. it's, it's lovely. So I guess, you know, we can't judge other relationships and I am a fan of if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. Just because I might look at something and think, wow, that's really toxic for me. Doesn't mean it is for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes you back know? to my mother's thing about you never know what's going on that's behind it. You with just another couple. Don't. You don't understand. If somebody comes to you though and says, this isn't working for me anymore, but this is how my life's been, how can I change that? That's a whole different kettle of fish. Now, when you talked about negotiations, was that stage two or three? Three. Three. And see, that's So two is really just observing. Yeah. Two, you're kind of ruling up your, you know, are there some of your not negotiables there? You know, um, I'm seeing a very violent side in him or I'm seeing that she is uh, so needy that I'm never going to meet her needs. She's not loving herself and I don't know if I want to be around to yeah. watch herself sabotage for the next 10 years. But the, so so stage two is really just observing what's what's going on there. What, what are 
some of the negatives that are there, but you're still seeing a lot of positives, so you're still getting to know them. Then stage three is, all right, well, let's start negotiating this. Well, I reckon negotiations go for a lifetime, Jane. They do. That's what I reckon. They do. (laughs) But if you can't negotiate, then you don't want to put a ring on it, do you? No. Well, listen, communication, and this goes back to the last podcast we just did about often the way we were raised as children and men particularly raised, communication is something that has to be learned. Yes. And isn't it funny, for those of you that know me, I was a journalist for 10 years, and guess what I need to learn in life, Jane? <laughs> Personal, private communication. I need to, and they say we're called to the careers that we're in to teach or heal what it is that we need. I agree with that. I mean, I've been a love coach because I most needed to learn about how to love myself. Right. That was absolutely why I do this work. So I, you put a microphone in front of me or a camera or a light on me, I will talk till you're all just crawling out of the stadium or the cinema or the auditorium or whatever it is. But when it comes to being able to speak my truth, I've had to, uh, hey, I'm 33. I've probably got three more decades worth of work to put into this one. I'm still learning how to speak up without fear or without being you know worried about being judged or without worried about what whoever else thinks and you know what see i love this topic this is one i really hope that we can do very very soon which is helping people to how to speak your truth with kindness and no fear but this the reason i'm bringing this up now is because it's one of the major basic building blocks to any lasting relationship is if Yes. Someone once described it to me this way because I was, you know, shitty about something, and she said, "Rebecca, you can't just walk around being pissed off at him without even having told him or give him the benefit to even respond or do something." But you know, you can't just take the high and mighty or the victim and the why me when you haven't even talked about it. And I'm the sort who'll run around and not talk about it and then get shitty. And (laughs) men in general, men have no idea why you're upset. Yeah. They've got no idea. And as women, we firmly believe we've put all the clear signals out there and they just don't know. What's we've wrong? Nothing. Oh, I know. <laughs> don't you love that? Oh, I know. Yes, you can go. Go, 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 go. I said you could go. Go, go. Go, go with your friends. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that is actually a really big topic for another day, I think. I think yeah. we're probably going to run out of time to tackle that one because I'd like to talk about it a lot more. However, the simplistic thing is to, if you're in anger, you need to separate, mm-hmm. but you actually just say, you know what? I love you. I can't have this now. I need to just let some steam off. Can we reconvene fifteen? Reconvene in half an hour mm. and we'll chat. Mm. And half an hour, you calm yourself down. Most people yeah. will calm themselves down and you'll get a bit of rational thought. And what is the problem? Then you're going to have greater clarity that you're going to be able to articulate it. He or she is going to be then sitting there wanting to have resolution and get you both back on the same page. Right. You know, a couple is a couple because you want to be a couple. So if you give and create the right environment for you to be really communicating each other wants to please the other it brings great happiness so that's the incentive to do it and again that's where your 15 minute date time as soon as you walk in the door sit down or set it once the children have gone to bed whatever you work out your 15 minute date time and you you talk it out you don't go to bed angry you don't ever sleep on the couch Mm. You just suck it up next to each other side by side with energy, even if it means you're on the opposite sides of the bed. At some point through the night, someone will creep their little foot out and they'll want to try and touch the other foot and the foot will come out and you'll touch and you're back in each other's zone again. True. 
Have you not done that? You, yes, I have, Jane. That's a bit sweet. Let's let, let's stop on that note because that's our half hour, and we'd love you to join us again. We'd love you to continue the conversation on Facebook, and um, of course, if you need individual help or counselling in any of these areas, that's what Jane and I are for. So please find us, um, and we're we're here for you. That's what that's what we do. <laughs> we're here to make more love in the world. <laughs> that's it. Love, not fear. That's it. So thank you for listening to Love Life, and we'll see you next week. Have a fabulous day. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.